0: Welcome to True Paranormal, the podcast with your host, Leo Rizzutti. Every week, we will explore such topics as ghosts, demons, poltergeists, haunted history, time shifts, cryptozoology, and other aspects of the paranormal through listener-submitted accounts, documentary studies, and interviews with the investigators that dedicate their lives to searching for proof of the unknown. So get a fresh cup of coffee, dim the lights, relax get ready for a short visit to the realm of the true paranormal. Hi guys, Leo Rizzuti here. Welcome to another episode of True Paranormal, the podcast. I'd like to start off the show by apologizing before the fact for this episode. I have gone about six months without any kind of soda or anything like that, drinking mainly water and today I ordered pizza for dinner and for whatever reason the pizza got messed up a couple of times so in an effort to make me happy the manager sent along a free two liter of cherry pepsi which I have drunk about all of in the last couple of hours so I'm on a little bit of a sugar rush right now there's no telling what I'm going to say or how I'm going to react to things and fortunately i do my own editing but right now i'm on a pretty high sugar buzz so i might say something really funky and for that i do apologize that being said we do have some great listener stories for you guys this week let's go ahead and jump right into that our first story of the evening comes to us from a listener named sid and sid says this is a two-part story Uh, It's a little bit long, so he has decided to break it up into a couple of pieces for us, and he has entitled it, A Maryland Haunting. Okay, Sid, let's see what you sent to us. It must have been the summer of 1974. We rented an old farmhouse on some 20 acres or so, I guess. I can't remember now, but it seemed vast to me at the time. We had neighbors to our immediate left, a group of houses owned by one very large family, and then nothing else for miles. Certainly nothing within walking distance, and as a 12-year-old, the concept of walking distance was very important. We were moving from the suburbs of Washington, D.C. out to the countryside of La Plata, Maryland. Not a move I was particularly happy with, mind you but my parents had been reading some hippie back to nature crap and they were determined to make a go of it. So at the age of 12, I had to make the adjustment from total suburbanite to farm boy. It didn't come easily. I felt very remote and isolated. The house had two levels above ground, a spacious first floor with a living room, a large kitchen, a nice screened in back porch and two bedrooms master bedroom and a nursery across the hall. My little sister stayed in the nursery room even though she was no longer a baby. She would have been around four years old at this time. Her only experience in the house that she can recall was that the door to her room would open and close by itself. But at the time, she thought that it was just what doors do, as she says now. The upper floor was two bedrooms linked by a hallway along which was some sort of storeroom. I don't think we kept much there, but maybe boxes and some luggage. My older brother took the room on the right and I got the room on the left. The interesting thing about my room was that it had a lot of graffiti on the walls of one of the walk-in closets, depicting various drug themes and a few stylized dirty pictures, cleverly constructed so that they would be hidden and look like two things at once. I enjoyed looking at the pictures in this closet, but my mom soon painted them over. I actually didn't notice the double nature of the dirty ones until my brother told me. There was a basement too, which was finished and painted cinder block. Truly, it was lovely. We used the basement for various purposes. For one, since it had a back door that led to the barn, it was our primary work entrance. Also, we used it to incubate the chicks that we raised from the eggs my dad bought in a local farm supply store. The first thing I noticed at this house was the weird feeling that overcame me. It's hard to describe, it sort of starts like a familiar smell would. You don't necessarily notice it right away. It grows on your awareness slowly, sort of like the sound of a dripping faucet maybe. When you finally become aware of it, you realize It has been there for a while. This sensation was strongest in the basement, in the room in which the old man of the place was supposed to have lived his last days. To my knowledge, nothing ever happened in that room, but everyone felt it there. My parents, very unbelieving of the paranormal at the time, assigned that room to be the storage room. I don't think it was an accidental choice either. Somewhere else in the house, someone was supposed to have committed suicide, but I never knew the precise location. The lot itself was fairly close to the rural route. It wasn't necessarily a busy route, but the cars that used it usually went by pretty fast. I lost my favorite cat on that road. The driveway from the road made a U-shape around the back of the house so that there were two driveways made of dirt and gravel. The driveways were well-rutted, too. Not a long distance from the back door of the house, there was a drop-off covered with briar, but in that briar were thousands of liquor bottles from years of someone's hard drinking. I remember I found some bottles that had dates that went back to the 40s. Of course, I thought I was going to find something from the 1700s, and actually, we did find two books there from the 1700s. But. These didn't mean that the house was necessarily that old. It certainly didn't look that old. More likely, they were heirlooms from the old man who had apparently drunk himself to death. From what I know now, I would guess the house had been built in the 20s or 30s, with substantial parts being remodeled after that. For instance, I think cinderblock didn't become an important part of building before that, and there was a large portion of the basement added on and built out of cinder block now you'll be saying to yourselves where are the ghosts Sid?" i can hear it from where i'm sitting so i'd better get on with that real business the first bit of weirdness i've already gone over a strange feeling permeated the house and concentrated mostly in the basement area yet there were no immediate signs of haunting inside the house but soon after we moved in a couple of weeks i think on a day that was near my best friend's birthday, which caused me to remember it that way. As the moon was rising and I was settling into my bed, an open window to my right. It was August, we didn't have any air conditioning. I began to hear the sounds of people walking in gravel. It's a very characteristic sound which most of you had heard, I'm sure. I noticed it and thought to myself, There really isn't anywhere for them to be walking except around my house. I thought that it was a fairly large group from the sound of it, maybe half a dozen or more. I could hear their voices and their bursts of laughter, but not enough to hear what they were saying. My curiosity was aroused though. I wanted to get a good look at these people. They sounded young, maybe a little older than me. And by the sound of it, they were getting closer to my window, though that would be two and a half stories down from my window. The basement was half buried on a slope that rose towards the road. I jumped out of bed, grabbed my glasses, and looked. There was plenty of moonlight, though no other light was shining there. I could clearly see the road. I could clearly also hear the voices, and they sounded as if they were now right underneath me, but I couldn't see anyone at all. I was dumbfounded. I stared as the voices grew quieter and quieter and seemed to turn the corner around the house. I should have been able to see them. I crawled back into bed with my mind racing. While I laid there, the group circled twice more around the house before they receded into nothingness. Obviously, I told myself, I'd just witnessed something very unique. I told my parents about it the next day and they laughed it off. They said I was imagining things or that maybe I'd had too much sugar. It was the same back to nature answer to everything from my mom. It was strange enough as a singular occurrence, but it happened again a year later. On that same date, I heard again the group of young people walk around the gravel drive of my house. Several times, I heard peals of laughter that I could recognize having heard the year before. By that time, however, I'd been scared by a few more experiences, and I didn't dare look out the window. I've had many more experiences, too many to include in a single story, so I'll follow up with part two later on. wow sid that's a very cool story uh it definitely sounds like you uh had a lot of activity possibly going on in that house and as you said you found a lot of old liquor bottles a lot of weird rooms in there things like that a lot of funky stuff could have happened in the house that you guys didn't know about it would be very interesting to uh, find out if you had ever done any research on what the background of the house was and uh what kinds of events might have happened there. I know you mentioned an old man having died there and possibly somebody committing suicide, but not sure if you ever confirmed that. Maybe you'll include that in uh, part two of your story whenever we get that. In the meantime, Sid, I really appreciate you sending your story in. That was awesome. Okay, our next story comes to us from a gentleman named Robert, and he has titled it, Was This the Ghost of Marie?" Okay Robert, let's hear about the ghost of Marie. My father and I lived with Marie, my stepmother, over in Darwin in England for about 8 years. However, Marie sadly passed away due to a brain tumor. Although it was difficult, my father and I were still living in the house after Marie passed. I moved out recently because I moved to Glamorgan in South Wales. However, over the last four years, I had noticed strange things happening in our house. For example, if my father and I were going out of the house, we would always make sure all the lights would be turned off and all the doors were locked. This would normally happen at night, but every time we came back, the landing light would always be on. I felt this to be strange because I was always the last to come out of the house, so I always checked everything before I left. There were also times when I heard three quick knocks on my bedroom door. Now, I'm not saying that it was Marie, but it was strange that when I opened the door, not only was there no one there, but there was also no wind to cause any kind of sound and it wasn't even windy outside. And also, I was the only one in the house at the time. This normally happened early in the morning. There were also times when I would be in the living room reading, when suddenly I would hear footsteps down the last flight of stairs, as we had a mini spiral staircase and the footsteps would wander into the kitchen. Once in the kitchen, I could hear cupboard doors opening and slamming. There were even times when the footsteps would wander into the middle of the living room. I know this because there was a loose floorboard in the middle of the living room floor and it only makes a sound when someone steps over it. Again, I was the only one in the house. When that happened though, I was so scared and felt like someone was standing in front of me. It took everything I had just to get up and out of the house. Many times, even in the middle of summer, when it was boiling outside, it would all of a sudden become as cold as winter inside, especially in the living room. There were even times when I would be in my room during the day, just having a rest, and I would hear Marie's voice singing, because she always used to sing. I at first thought that maybe it was my mind playing tricks, but I heard it again and again, day after day, usually in the living room. Now, this might be a load of rubbish to anyone hearing it, but to this day, I still never want to go back to that house. There are too many memories and there is one hell of an atmosphere. Better to leave things like that, even the spirit of a loved one, alone. Okay, Robert, that was an awesome story, man. Uh, It is amazing to think that you would hear your deceased stepmom's voice singing, and I'm sure that would be a sound that you would very, very easily recognize. And as you acknowledge yourself, the other things, the knocks, the footsteps, things like that, that's not necessarily the ghost of Marie, but it's pretty distinctive whenever you hear the voice singing of someone that you've heard singing. And you hear that repeatedly over and over again, that that is pretty distinctive evidence that that is an individual that is giving you a haunt there. Needless to say, it sounds like you guys had a lot of activity in that place, and I definitely can't blame you for not necessarily wanting to go back. A lot of times, even if you have what is known there, if it's a spirit and you know what the spirit is, the atmosphere as you describe it, the very pervasiveness of the weight of the atmosphere in a place like that makes it so uncomfortable that you just don't want to be there i know i've lived in places where i knew exactly what was going on but just because you know what's going on doesn't make it comfortable and i definitely have some places that i've been in that i would not want to go back so i can sympathize with you on that one but at any rate thank you robert for sharing your story that was incredible Okay guys, our last story of the evening is titled, The Thing We Couldn't See. And that's sent to us by Amber. Okay, Amber, let's see what you sent to us. I'd taken my friend, Denisha, to my mother's for a weekend visit. I'm not sure of the year, but I'll guess around 1987. My mom lived in Iowa. Denisha and me were visiting from San Francisco. For years, I'd promised Denisha I'd someday take her for a trek through my haunted neighborhood. This particular time, she held me to it. We began by heading north up my mom's street, which meant we were heading up a rather steep hill. At the top of the hill, we crossed to the opposite side of the road, and then we entered a yard. It was quite dark. As I groped to find familiar paths from my childhood, we stepped over a plant material that felt kind of spongy, and I remember thinking things had changed since last I'd made the neighborhood rounds. The yards there in the old neighborhood are massive, with backyards the size of football fields or better. Finally, we'd gotten to the back of the property, and there we found a lovely little bridge crossing a small creek. Then a short jaunt and we were on to another path that led through the next yard, then on to the street, north of Moms. We headed west, past dark homes resting in ample yards, towards the S-curve in the road. At the lower half of the S, towards the north, was the house with the totem pole. Ah yes, the totem pole. Let me tell you, this thing is weird. It doesn't stand upright, but is instead curved like a huge doughnut sunk halfway into the ground. It felt cold like ceramic or plaster, but I now guess its composition to be of maybe fiberglass. It was decorated, I use the term loosely, with an array of oddities. A huge ear, about a meter in length. The face of a king from a deck of cards. A large brain, perhaps five times a human brain size. Uh, mushrooms. Gosh, I can't remember it all. The thing looked like an acid trip realized in an incredibly weird sculpture. We stayed for just a short time. I was leery of the large dog I knew to patrol the property sometime before. Though it was creepy, we hadn't yet felt haunted. We made off for the church grounds. Once there, we laid down in the parking lot to catch a glimpse of the expanse of stars above. That parking lot, historically, was always where I would contact what I called the littles, the little spirits who would then always follow myself and my guests on the remainder of our explorations. That night, though we thought we heard the littles telltale whispers and giggles, something else seemed to pervade. Not a sound, but more of just a sense of darkness, no worse. It felt malignant, vile, evil. Denisha and I sat bolt upright and instinctively began to scoot slowly so that our backs were together as we sat. The littles, whispers, and giggles were stifled a bit as birds and crickets before a storm the silence was obvious and unnerving we moved to stand and a growl met us Though, let me explain it was less of a sound than a feeling if that makes sense we decided we should flee and i decided to cut through the robinsons a densely wooded yard that opens to a field which leads back to my mom's street The growl moved in front of us. Mind you, I could physically see nothing, but the presence was unmistakable. I gently touched Anisha on the shoulder, indicating the direction of our next move with a nod of my head, but I didn't stray my eyes from the spot that my senses told me was occupied by the thing. Suddenly, I burst off towards the road, not even wasting time to go through the Robinsons. Instead, we went through another yard, just as long as the other yards, but not as densely treed. As we moved towards the back, perhaps a hundred feet from the house in the side yard, the thing tried to get in front of us. By now, it was making such a racket, I thought I'd go mad. I can't describe to you the sounds. I can't make my mind remember them. In fact, I wasn't sure at all if the sounds were in my head or outside of it. Then I noticed from the corner of my eye that lights had flickered on in the house and heads could be seen peering out towards us through assorted windows somehow knowing that others could hear or maybe sense the thing terrified me even more i ducked down to hide next to a truck topper without the truck which had tall grass all around it where the lawnmower couldn't reach denisha dropped to her knees next to me gasping what is that she screamed in a whisper for a moment I didn't feel the thing impeding our path. I took that moment to bolt. I hate to say it, but I was literally out to save myself, not even stopping for a millisecond to check that Denisha was surviving. We got to the gate that separated the yard from mom's neighbor across the street yard. I was freaking out and not having an easy time with the latch when again, the thing loudly made its presence known. Finally, the gate was open, and we were sprinting across the expansive yard towards the driveway, a long and winding drive. The formal garden surrounding the houses separated from the front by a long line of trees, which run parallel with the creek mentioned earlier. As we approached said line of trees running so fast that nearly a step touched the ground, we awoke what sounded like hundreds of sleeping birds, who all at once fled from the trees, screeching and making a horrible sound. Then I wasn't sure if it were birds that I heard or the thing which pursued us, or maybe both. I should mention here, outside of abject fear, there also seemed to be some weird space-time thing happening. I can't explain or describe it. Everything just felt twisted and not real. Perhaps it was just an effect of terror. Finally, out of the trees and making our way towards the front fence, we didn't break step until we hit the gate and made to climb over it. I felt like the men in the omen who were running from the evil dogs in the cemetery and had a terrible thought that maybe I'd impale myself on the fence. Of course, I managed not to. We ran across the street towards the warm glow of the lights lining my mother's front walk. Then we could detect the comforting sound of my dog, Benji, barking in the background. We ran up the drive and crashed through the back gate to collapse on lawn chairs, panting and laughing, almost crying, and trying to get a word out. As we got our thoughts together and could finally talk, we sat and related in hushed voices what each of us felt and had seen. As we did so, we could hear that my horses in the pasture behind my mom's house had come up to the fence, which kept them out of the backyard. My dog trotted down the stone path to say hi to them and we followed. Eventually we stood at the fence, petting and cooing to the animals. Before me was Zeus, our largest stallion. I remember now, in hindsight, that he was acting odd. In fact, they all were. Kind of skittish. But at the same time, I guess I was trying to make things as normal as possible and I shook it off. Presently, Zeus took a long step back in awkward movement, because he did so with only one leg. He then looked straight at me and commenced to urinating, a long and drawn out piss. His stance was, how shall I say, almost threatening, like he was a bull preparing to charge. As Danisha and me, and poor benji were witnessing all of this the thing suddenly dropped down on all of us from above there were no trees directly above just an old-fashioned type electrical line it dropped to the ground directly between zeus and me but on my side of the fence when i say it dropped i mean we could hear it feel the thud reverberate through the ground at our feet we were all standing very close within a three or four foot circle Again, let me remind you, I could physically see nothing, but my brain attempted to create a mass in the general vicinity of the thing. Still, I seriously don't remember physically seeing anything. Anyway, the horses, including Zeus, erupted into wild neighing, bucking and kicking, and then scattered as if wolves were after them. Absolutely speechless, I looked at Denisha, my mind groping for any sort of reason. Benji broke me out of my reverie, though I doubt it lasted more than a few seconds. He was barking and making it for the house. We decided to follow him. The flight was excruciating. For a moment, I could not see the house nor the back porch, our supposed safety. Instead, it's like I saw myself from behind, running in panic, as though I saw it through the thing's eyes. We finally made it to the porch. Benji was already inside via his own doggy passage through the back door. I was tempted to jump through it myself, but my higher logic convinced me to use the doorknob instead. Denisha and me didn't stop until we'd run to the front of the house, to the front and formal living room, used only when my mom had guests. Once there, we became oddly calm, collected, and moving pointedly. I went to the secretary desk in the corner and removed a pen and paper. Denisha switched on the stereo and retrieved a bottle of Merlot from the wine cabinet. I sat on the sofa, pen in hand, and with a mind to write of our experience. Denisha sat on the floor near the serving table and poured us both a glass of wine. Though we were out of breath, we refused to show it. We were fine now. My cats, one by one, began to saunter into the room, noticing that we were out of sorts, but not wanting us to think that they cared enough to show any concern. Just when everything was beginning to feel alright, a huge catfight erupted underneath the sofa where I sat. I mean, you could literally see fur flying out from below, and of course you know how awful that sound is. There was no doubt in my mind, at least at that time, that my cats were fighting the thing right underneath my seat. Now, that's where my story ends. I know Denisha and me took that bottle of wine to my bedroom where we sat with every single light on, including the closet lights. We did not speak further of the incident that night. We simply waited for the sun. Thankfully, that wait was uneventful. Wow, Amber, that was an absolutely incredible story. And I guess you could file that one under, uh, be careful what you wish for. Your buddy, Denisha, wanted you to take her to your old haunted neighborhood, and so you obliged her and probably got a little bit more than she bargained for. Um, I know I've had some experiences where we've gone to haunted roads and things like that, and it never quite ends up being a happy journey it almost always ends up with people being scared out of their minds and I'm not sure if that's due to the anticipation of events or maybe some group hysteria mixed in because usually whenever I go there it's not just me and one other person it's me and a group of people so there's a large crowd involved which somehow seems to pick up activity a little more rapidly than when it's just one or two people. Um, not really sure what it could have been that you guys ran into you mentioned that there was a church parking lot where you had uh what you call the little spirits that you constantly felt out there and that would follow you around so that sounds like there was definitely some funky activity going on but there is no telling what it is that you ran into i know if it was any kind of a negative entity they do have a way of messing with your perception of reality a lot of times, and you kind of described that a little bit for us, where it seems like you're viewing yourself from outside of your body. Uh, Definitely is not a fun experience, and is not something that a lot of people run into, thankfully, but it does sound like it's something that happened to you. And fortunately, you ended up all right, which is always the best way to end one of these stories. You never wanna hear anything super negative come out of these. It's nice to have an experience, and it's neat to be able to tell a story about it, but we always want to hear that in the end, everybody was safe and sound and came out of it maybe a little bit wiser, but in one piece, and it sounds like that's what happened to you. If you have any other stories in your neighborhood, we would certainly love to hear about them, but in the meantime, thank you for sharing this one with us. That was absolutely incredible. Well, guys, that is going to do it for this episode of True Paranormal, the podcast. I would like to thank Amber and Robert and Sid for sharing your stories with us. You guys are absolute rock stars. And as always, if you would like to be a rock star and have your experience shared on one of our future broadcasts, just email it to us at trueparanormalpodcast at gmail.com. That's trueparanormalpodcast at gmail.com. Or check us out on Facebook at The Podcast, and hit that message us button or hit that email us button and send us your stories. We'd love to hear from you guys. While you're there, give us a like and a follow and be sure to check out some of our older episodes. There's some neat stuff in there. We also have some other posts and some other information other than just the podcast. So be sure to check that out as well additionally if you're listening to us on itunes be sure to subscribe and again check out some of our older episodes and maybe give us a rating and a review we'd love to hear what you guys think about the show and speaking of what you guys think about the show we are going to be doing a question and answer episode and it's not going to be a normal kind of audio podcast one Uh, we've gotten a few emails with folks with specific questions and like to get some more involvement from you guys so what we're going to do is probably do a live video feed specifically on Facebook so be on the lookout for that we'll put some notices up on our page to let you guys know when we're going to schedule that and be sure to tune into that we'd love to hear from you guys and just check out what we're saying and if any questions come to mind that's a great opportunity for you guys just to give us some immediate feedback that we can address right then In the meantime, I would like to thank you guys for listening this week and every week and be sure to join us again next week for another episode of True Paranormal, the podcast.